Good evening and welcome to the Tell As You Tell podcast, episode one. I'm Smed. I'm Kieran, also known as KP. And today we're joined by Kurosh, also known as Cookie. Hello. I've got to say, man, thank you very much for joining us. It's uh, No problem. It's his first episode, our first one recording, a lot of help getting us set up and is here to tell his tale. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us a bit about yourself, your upbringing, and we'll get into the gritty stuff moving forward. So first of all, let me just apologise to KP because earlier on I came in and he tried to talk to me and I just went, no, don't talk to me, let's just save it all for the podcast because I don't want to have any conversations. So it hasn't but, been really an awkward hour and a half, we've just not really got to know each no, other. No, no, we've, we've met once or twice over the yeah. years, haven't we, yeah. Jake's wedding, um, actually your in-laws live over the road from me, so yeah. it's quite nice to get to know the man that keeps going in and out of the house and <laughs> dropping his kids off and whatever else, you know it is. <laughs> You're giving away what I do. Um, yeah man, so, okay, where do I start? Right, so first of all, my name is Kurosh. Um, let me just turn this stupid Business watch off. Yeah, my name is Kurosh. Um, everybody knows me as Cookie. Everybody, um, even like my clients at work, I'll um, I'll introduce myself as Kurosh and I'll I'll tell them just call me Cookie. Um, story of that is <laughs> this is just a weird story, right? So the name Cookie is spelled K-U-K-I, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was younger. My mum, my mum was shouting me in for my tea, and I never used to listen to her. So every time she shouted me in, I'd just ignore her. And then, um, and then one day, I used to love the Cookie Monster on Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And then one day, she came out and she said, "Come on, Cookie Monster!" And then all my mates at the time that I was out with just continued to call me Cookie. And I was like, right, okay, I don't mind the nickname. Um, and then. Obviously, I'm an 80s kid, right? So, and I don't look at it, I look beautiful. Um, <laughs> but when I was younger, my mum wanted to put letters on his bedroom door. And this is just such a sob story. She couldn't afford to buy C O O K I E. Yeah. So she bought K U K I. Brilliant. And that's. That's how it happened. Yeah. That's that's how I, that happened. Like nicknames that stick are brilliant. I love some nickname stories, and that's a good. You know what I mean? That's yeah, a good, yeah. Like, well, I've known you how many years now? Like oh god, what is it? Like seven, seven, eight years, yeah, and seven, I've never understood years. why I called you it. So yeah. <laughs> it's nice to get some clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and also it's easier than saying cool rush. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think something's beeping. Just so you know. Washing machine. Something's beaking. It's it's all right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's raw, isn't it? Yeah, it's gorilla. It's right, gorilla. Got the washing machine in background. Right, so let's start beginning. Your family, where you grew up, how you grew up, what your upbringing were like. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a, that is a weird one because, so I grew up in Leeds in a really rough area in Leeds. I'm not going to shout it out, right? But I live in, lived in a really, really rough area in Leeds. Um, and I was young, I were, you know, around about the 10 age, maybe a little bit younger than that. And I didn't know anyone. I didn't keep in contact with mates from primary school or anything like that. And, um, it, it, I got to know the kids on the estate 
and then sort of as we got older you know thinking about it, 10 years old as I got older you know the stuff that they wanted to do were was quite naughty yeah. and I was like intrigued I was intrigued you, you know are. what I mean because yeah. unfortunately you know I love my parents to death um, but unfortunately they were going through hard times themselves mentally you know my mum she went through some mad sort of mental depression it was you know really bad to be honest with you like there was a few times when and she'll you know hopefully she'll never see this but she'll kill me if she, she knew what I'm talking about mm. I mean I was called home from school once by I can't remember who it was it might have been an ambulance I can't remember um because my mum were found walking down dual carriageway like just wanting to end a life. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And as a school kid, yeah, getting that call, you're like, you don't, you don't understand it. How old are you? I was, it was in high school. So, maybe like year eight, year nine, something like that. Um, yeah, so, it was, it was just, well, to be honest with you, it, it felt normal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think that it was, I didn't think, sorry, I was just readjusting that mic there. <laughs> it's doing me, I didn't know. I want to like pick it up and do like... It. You know, Whatever's natural, it um, do it. I think at the time, like obviously looking back in hindsight now, it, I know that that's not normal. I know that's not the right thing to do. Um, but at the time, I was just like, oh, everyone's parents yeah, are yeah, like yeah. this. Do you yeah. know what I mean? My mum and dad split up when I was like really young. Well, I was about seven. Right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like... I just really knew the single parent life. I, I can relate that to that. Sense. I can relate to that. My mum and dad split when they were th- when I was three and my brother was five. But at that age, up until your teens, you only think of your family, your bubble. You don't think outside, like you say, when it feels natural. Like when I met Alison, my wife, she didn't know I even had a dad. You know what I mean? So... I fully get where you're coming from with that way, but obviously to your extent with the, 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 the mental health and whatnot, I don't want to say, oh, I'm like you. Okay, no, 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 not but, at all. But what I'm saying is like, you at that age, what's norm in your four walls is the norm to you, is what I'm... Absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah, you Absolutely. don't know any different. No, no. 100%. I just wanted to check I was in the right yeah, bit of the mic. <laughs> yeah, so um, dealing with that, dealing with the mental health stuff with my mum from an early age, mm. um then, you know, I've got two sisters. One of them is three years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And the other is like 13 or 14 years younger than me. Right. So quite a, a big gap. The one that's three years younger than me, we have the same dad. Yeah. And the one that's 13 years younger uh, is my stepdad's daughter, mm. but she's she's full, you know what I mean? Yeah, we don't count her as anything else. Um, and, you know, not to, again, not to, talk anyone else's business but my sister um who is three years younger than me also kind of at a very early early age to be honest with you um she came out as transgender oh wow you, you know from uh, from boy to girl oh right okay and yeah. so and that was before yeah. i'd ever heard anything yeah about transgenderism or anything like that i think i was about I mean, I'm guessing here, but I think I was about 18. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it was a difficult time for her as well because 
you know, that's a huge thing mm. to, for her to come to of terms course. with. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, so I was, at the time, I was quite a, like an aggressive person. I was, I was quite, I didn't really understand how to process my emotions. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that I processed it was by being outwardly aggressive. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I was always arguing or I was always getting in fights. It was bad. Um, and But I obviously didn't realise that's what was happening up until, you know, later stage. So, you know, when my sister told me that, I was probably about 18. And I think I was the last person that she told in the family. Yeah. And unfortunately, my mum and my dad mm. didn't take it well. Just going back a little bit, like obviously now LGBTQ yeah. Yeah, yeah. plus I'm, I can't keep up All with them, digits yeah. that keep getting added on but mm. obviously it's a massive thing now like it's very 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 normalised in society yeah. how did your sister deal with it and like what support did she have around her back then you obviously just said your parents didn't take it well and you were acting out so is it something she just said not to just talk about your sister of course no, like, no, I hope no. she don't mind but it's just interesting because of the world we're now living yeah it's so normalised, like... Yeah, for sure. I think it was hard for her. Do you know what I mean? It was really hard can, for her because yeah, there was no it. real... It was almost like you're a kid. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, that's how it was treated. Mm. Uh, and I can't speak on her behalf, obviously, but what I can say is is that she's told me this already. She was scared of telling me. That's why she told me last. She thought... And this is this is an emotional trigger... So, but she thought I was going to beat her up. Mm. She thought that her own brother were going to beat her up. Older brother. Because she went to my mum and my mum didn't take it well. She went to my dad. My dad didn't take it well. By the way, they're they're all good now. Yeah. Yeah. My mum and my dad, absolutely. That's their daughter. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, but back then it was not a great, like I said, they weren't in the greatest of mental spaces now. Mm. Now I'm older, I, I understand why it happened. They're not nasty people, my mum and dad. You know what I mean? It's not like they neglected us for any, you know, even if they, there was a bit of neglect, it wasn't purposeful. No. It was, they were just going through their own mental struggles. And, you know, as an older person who now has kids, I understand how that can come about. And you've just got, kids and you're like shit <laughs> like what what do i do how do i there's no there's no it? mvq on having kids when you have that child in that hospital they hand it over to you and there you go yeah just check it yeah um whereas anything else in life you get a qualification or whatever but like you say no wonder people in past yeah. have shit the pants when they've had a it's child true. or whatever else and, and especially like back if you think so like i said i'm I'm 34, right? So if you think back when I was 10 years old, that's that's 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's like a quarter of a century. That's yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. But like things change. Yeah, like there's, there was no support really for parents that were going through that mental struggle. And, and I guess because my mum and dad split up and then, uh, you know, my mum ended up on benefits and, having to move to this rough area in Leeds and and we ended up um obviously lots of mental struggles I ended up um moving out at 15 mm. um from my mum's house which was the family house it was like where everyone was I moved out to my dad's flat mm-hmm. um so initially when my mum and dad 
split up when I was about seven. My dad moved abroad, so he okay. went to Spain, right. um, which is where some of our other family is. Um, but then he went to like America and stuff. I didn't see him mm. for a good sort of five years, maybe longer. So when he came back, I had a massive grudge. Like I was just, I was angry. I was angry at him. Do you know what I mean? I was, I was, how could you leave me? Do you know yeah, what I mean? How yeah, could you leave me? Like what? I don't know what to do. Do you know what I mean? I don't like, I need you here mm. to, to help me. That's what it felt like. Um, it's sort of a, what's the word? You know, you hear it time and time again, don't you? Oh, you, sort of a hole needed filling almost. Yeah. 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 I, and also as well, like bear in mind, there's my mum and then there's my sister who was transgender male to female. Mm-hmm. So I was, brought up around females do you know what I mean like all my mum's mates there was not she wasn't you know there wasn't male mates around there wasn't really a male role model around yeah yeah. um at that early stage until later on and then obviously things changed but Mm. at that early stage there wasn't anything there no and um there's questions that you need to ask a man as growing up 15 13 to 15 things are happening obviously and like I I have that in common where I had to go to my brother. Mm. Uh, my brother's only two years older than me and mm. I were asking him things and it was like, I don't know, mate. I've, I've just been through that two years ago. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I've you got do. hair on my balls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When, when does it stop growing? Hair? Yeah. 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 I think, I think as well, um, you know, because my mum was going through that mental struggle at a really early age, you know, before 15, I was, I was running the house at yeah. one point. Like, you, you know, imagine I'm 12 years old, say, you know, I might be getting some of the dates slightly oh, wrong, but yeah. say I'm 12 years old um, and, you know, my, uh, my sister's, what, uh, nine, you know, and tea needs cooking, but my mum's suffering mental health, yeah. serious mental health, depression, mm-hmm. you know, she's upstairs in bed, she can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, I've, it's, you know, there's got to be a meal cooked. Yeah, you had to grow you know, up quick. I, I had to. I had no yeah. choice. I was like, I were hungry. Right, oh, are you hungry as well, Cassie? My sister, I've just said mm. her name. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, are you hungry as well? Yeah, mm. I'm hungry. All right. Right, well, I'll figure it out. And then I'll go, cook, go in the kitchen. I have no idea what an oven is or how to do it. Mm. I'm just turning knobs and then, right, comes on. Brilliant. Put it in. That's it. And... I don't know how we didn't get food poisoning, but <laughs> it was, it was, um, yeah, that, so I had to grow up really quick. And I think that made me that, you know, that period of time I had a grudge against my mum and my dad mm. at that point, both of them at the mm. same time, because I was like, how dare you fucking make me have to do this? I'm fucking 10, 11, 12. Sorry. Am I not supposed to swear? No, um, I think it's a five minute thing on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? Right, right, right. Okay. So I won't say it. So yeah, so I was, I was really, really angry and I had a grudge and I didn't know how to control my emotions. I was, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a tough time. Um, so can I ask how your mum is now? Yeah, she's great. Good. She's amazing. That's what I'd like to hear. You know, she's um, she runs a a bakery business, Kitchen Boss. Shout out, Sick. Kitchen Boss. 
Um, yeah, yeah, you've had... Get that plug in. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by... Uh, <laughs> KP10 for three uh, ice finger. Yeah, so um, she's doing great. My dad's doing great. He ended up moving back to the UK, um, setting up a really successful um, sort of like high-end pizzeria it's a takeaway but it's a high-end pizzeria how like have you not mentioned all this food in seven years <laughs> a bakery and, and a, a pizza, pizza shop yeah. like I know, I'd definitely I be a stone levier yeah well that's why i am there. <laughs> <laughs> where's pizzeria then i've got to try it out uh, it's in leeds spend lane but he has sold it so just oh. recently sold it uh, it's still active he sold the brand so it's still running but it is different management now yeah. um but but yeah so i've always grown up around food as well that's another thing Sweet. um so yeah, so that's kind of like up until 15. Then when I got to 15 years old... Is this your dad back in UK? You're yeah. living with him in his apartment in Leeds at this point? Correct, yeah, correct. Um, so I'm back in Leeds. I live at my dad's apartment. He's working um, like catering. All right. Yeah, so the hours at catering... By the way, tell me if when I move away, like he can't hear me. No, that's a point in that way. So... Um, so yeah, so he's working on catering times and catering times is like unsociable hours. It's yeah. just, you know, you start work at whatever, three o'clock or, you know, two o'clock mm-hmm. and then you work until maybe one in the morning or something till you clean, clean down or yeah. clear down and then you get home, jump in shower, you go to sleep and then you don't wake up till 10 o'clock. Mm. Do you know what I mean? At the, at the earliest or, you know, whatever. And obviously I were at school, at high school at the time. I think I was just towards the back end of high school and then I was about to go into college full-time as well, So, which I did do. Um, and so I never saw my dad. I never saw him, like ever. You know, on a weekend, he worked all weekend. Passing um, chips. So, yeah. And every now and then... I'd bump into him. And also back then as well, there wasn't really any mobile yeah, phones. Yeah, I say, so yeah. I wasn't really in regular contact with him. I was just at the house. And more importantly, he wasn't, in, he wasn't able to be yeah. in regular exactly. contact with you. And, and the thing is, you know, credit to my mum and dad, they absolutely really have made up for anything that happened when I was younger. Not that they had to make up for anything, mm. but they've... They've made up for it and some because they've realized what the issues were. They've addressed the issues. We've talked, you know, as a family, we, we like to process our emotions and now we're just getting into the groove of figuring out as a family, how to communicate, to do that, to fix problems, to fix bridges that were burnt, you know, because when I, when I moved to my dad's, I I then ended up falling out with my dad. I'd fallen out with my mum by that point already. Um, just through butting heads, just, you know, like, I am very, I'm like very much half my mum and half my dad. Mm. Like, I'm, I, and we butt heads because we're so alike sometimes, yeah. Yeah. both of us. Um, so by that point, I was kind of 16 now, 17, and I'm starting to experience like, speaking to people that were a bit more of an adult and realizing that okay i'm not a kid anymore and then alcohol's been introduced at an early age 16 mm-hmm. 17 i started trying to figure out how to make easy money you know i did a few naughty things when i was younger uh, but then like i allegedly. tried to allegedly allegedly yeah, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, allegedly. allegedly yeah yeah um get that in there, <laughs> that in there yeah for the for the solicitors <laughs> <laughs> but um and then I tried to make money in other ways as well. Like I, I ran nightclub events, um, 
just little nightclub events and I ended up packing it out, packing them out all the time because I had a very large network of people that I knew that all, you know, it was in the drum and bass and dubstep scene, which right. at the time, it wasn't big at the time. Mm -hmm. This was like, you know, I'm 17, so what's that? That's literally 17 years ago, I think, isn't it? Yeah, 17 yeah. years ago. So at the time, dubstep and drum and <clears throat> bass was about, but it wasn't like mainstream people weren't going to clubs to listen to it. So where were this? Were this in Leeds? This was in Leeds, yeah. Um, so I kind of approached it because I saw an under-18 night being advertised in a po on a poster somewhere. And because um, that's how, it, like I said, no social media, that's how it was done. Or it was, it was Facebook, but the very early days. And um, and I saw a poster and I thought, oh, that's a good way to make a bit of money and have a party at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So enjoy myself and walk away with a, with a bit, or at least pay for my beer, yeah. you know, while yeah. I'm there. So or, And pay for my taxi and stuff. A little bit of organising to do, organising DJs, sound systems, security, uh, the, the agreement with the bar. That was difficult because um, obviously I'm not, I'm not an adult. So technically these people are speaking to me and I'm saying I need this and I need that. And they're like, but you're a kid. You don't know what you're talking about. And then, but little did they know that I, I, I am an overanalyzer. So I had done so much research on how to do this before it even got to the point of us organizing the event. You know, so I'd already figured out, you know, all right, so what kind of deal is the right deal to have with a bar? You know what I mean? Like, do, you, do they take the take-ins at the bar and you charge on the door? Or, you know, what kind of deal might it be? So I'd already kind of done a bit of research. I knew a few people that ended up being really, um, really successful nightclub promoters in sort of the north of England. Um, and you would know who they are if I told you, and I'm not going to say the names, but, mm. you know, they, they ended up absolutely propelling into the stratosphere and they've done amazing yeah. you know what i mean for himself um and i there's it's a massive commitment to run events at a big scale and i just wanted to earn money yeah that's all i wanted yeah. i just wanted to earn a bit of money but it wasn't the way i wanted to go but what it did was it taught me about uh it taught me about business negotiation so negotiating with um, people for for different sources or different products or or different services negotiating that fee and making sure at the end of it you're actually making profit yeah at the end of it mm. so and then that along with um growing up with a, a group of ruffians that did dodgy things <laughs> and I ended up kind of helping them a little bit to 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 figure out you know is it worth doing what they're doing basically um allegedly and it, it 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 kind of my interest stemmed from there because i was just so naturally good at, at developing a strategy to make profit in any area that i went into at the time anyway and i was young and i was cocky and and I and I really thought a lot of myself. And to be honest with you, there'll be just as many people out there who hate my guts as there are out there that love me. Yeah. Because I was a I was a a, a bad. I wasn't a great guy. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. wasn't a great guy. You were hungry, is what you are. You were people yeah. are in your way, and I would get in your way. Yes. So can I just ask? You, you've obviously had it tough growing up. You've now got an opportunity to make money. You've yeah. also grown up with people that are allegedly doing some 
quite out of touch things. Yeah. Being in the nightclub scene, were you ever tempted or approached by people to allegedly set up a deal as to where they could yeah. potentially distribute yeah, absolutely. goods? Yeah, absolutely. Goods. 100%, all the time. All the time I was approached and, you know, whether I did or didn't doesn't really matter now, but at the time it was like, I was approached and, and like I said, like when I was younger, you know, the whole thing that happened with uh, sort of my parents, it just felt like normal. That was normal. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. was normal. So I didn't realize until later on that, you know, this, the nightclub scene is very corrupt in some areas. That's not talking about all sort of mm-hmm. nightclub uh, managers or whatever, you know, but the night scene is, it's very much about, the party, do you yeah, know what I mean? We've all been out for enough years. I I remember when we started drinking mm. and like going out, if someone had a bag of coke on them, yeah. you literally thought Padbo Escobar had just walked yeah. into a nightclub. <laughs> now, next week, last week, you're more, yeah. you're more shocked to see someone smoking a cig rather than a vape mm. than yeah. you are someone taking a few lines in yeah. a toilet, do you know what I mean? Exactly. And that was my introduction into it, to be fair, at a very early age, because I ran underage events, mm. and I saw that from, well, obviously I saw it from an earlier age, I saw it from like 11 years old, just from uh, growing up in well, yeah. that rough area, yeah. but I saw it on a party scale, which is just dead weird to see for the first time, you know, you're in a nightclub toilet, and there's, you know, lines on the side, and you're like, what's that and people are offering you it and at first you're like Mm-mm. no yeah. no 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 and then eventually you know you get worn down and and you do give it a go and you know ultimately that's what no I can't say that's what sent me on a downward spiral but that was my coping mechanism right. because don't forget, in the midst of this, me being hungry, trying to make money, trying to kind of get somewhere and, you know, adamant not to end up just... My mum hates it when I say council estate kid, council estate kid, because she's like, you didn't live on a council estate. I, I know, I lived on a housing association estate. estate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. but what's a housing association? Well, it's basically just private houses that the council buy. So it's a, like half a level up from a council estate but still you know um i just didn't want to stay there i didn't want to stay in that position and my hunger came from wanting to get my sister out because at this time it was just me and my uh, three-year younger sister um oh no no i, I tell a lie uh, it wasn't the d was there as well <laughs> my my other sister but i just wanted to get them out of that situation so all i could think in my head obviously with my my kind of um naive mind i was like i want to just save enough money to buy three houses yeah. that's what i wanted i just want to save enough money to buy three houses for for each of us mm. and that then would then i'd sort my sisters out and we don't have to rely on as parents because at that time we couldn't um so yeah so doing the nightclub stuff at an early age under 18 you know i got introduced to well it all just seemed normal everybody was doing it you know bar owners djs the people behind the bar the security at the time were doing it and it's all normalized you know when you're organizing the event it's all normalized and don't get me wrong there are definitely 
some people that just absolutely go ne- nowhere near it, but they turn a blind eye mm-hmm. because the colleague's doing something, mm-hmm. you know, or someone they're not, and they don't want to lose the job, or they don't want to be seen as a grass, and mm-hmm. and you know, because that's a big thing as well. So it, it's all just like an incubator. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And as I grew up, I grew up partying and knowing the same people and seeing the same people and then doing the same things. And what I realized after, after sort of being able to analyze my life, which I'll come on to why I I actually started analyzing my life. But after analyzing my life, I realized that I was hiding. I was, I didn't want to go home. That's why I stayed out to party because when I was living with my mum, um, I didn't party, obviously, I was young, but I used to stay out late with yeah, my mates. Street, I didn't want to go up. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. till like 11 o'clock, midnight or something mm-hmm. like that. Then I lived with my dad, and again, it was just like the early years. I was going into college and school, but because no one was keeping track of where I was and there was no mobile phone, I was just out, just out all the time. I'd look after myself, like fend for yourself, and I- then... Yeah, I don't know about you, but back in well, I know you're four year old or whatever. Yeah. But back when we were kids and you were knocking about with maybe you had a mobile phone, but you had no credit or whatever, mm. the worries seem to be less for the parents as yeah. well. Like, oh, he'll be out um, yeah. as long as he's back in for nine. Yeah. But now I feel like we've all got young children here across the table, and it's like it's scary, really. Like I couldn't imagine my son getting the bus somewhere or whatever. It's just like... It creates anxiety, just yeah. technology. It creates yeah. anxiety. It's mad, like, my eldest is seven going on an eight. Mm. Absolutely avid into football. He plays three times a week with training and, and matches. He's absolutely amazing, by the way. He's doing Star that. striker. <laughs> but I'm already thinking another six, seven years in front, like, right, when he does go out, when he is going to be hanging around with his mates... Like, I remember what we used to get up to, man. We'd get on his bike and we'd pedal from here to Peel Park, mm. just on a whim. No no plan, go anywhere, do anything. You knew no one was going to bother you. Yeah. And now you look around at a lot of younger kids and mm. you just think... You've got to you've got to know, though, they're not going to be having twos on cigarettes now. They're going to be no. on vapes, aren't they? So you can't <laughs> yeah. smoke middle of the fingers. And you've been smoking out fast. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you yeah, now though. There's 20 Lambert there. Give them a bash. <laughs> Not put hairs on your chest. But but my eldest, obviously, yeah. family, you know, he, he's 11. And he's just started getting the bus at 11. And I didn't want it to happen. No. But the thing is, is that it doesn't really matter what you want. You no, have to no. go with society, unfortunately. Otherwise, what you do is, is you, oh. I mean, everyone's got opinions on parenting, but mm. you're sort of like impeding on their... Um, growth, yeah. do you know what I mean? You, yeah, you've got you, to let them experience them. it, ra- not just mm. wrap them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so you're eight, you're about eighteen. You've been doing nightclub scene. You've started taking a bit of bash now and again. How serious did it get from there to coming out of the nightclub scene and moving forward? So, the first probably two or three years yeah it was quite casual um i say casual it was all the time so it was like every well (laughs) it started off like we'd go out on a friday 
yeah and then we'd do whatever we're doing and then we'd stay out and we'd go to someone's house for an house party and we'd all stay up yeah. drinking music blaring and then go out on the saturday mm. and then go home and then as i as i started to get mo- to know more and more people on the sort of nightclub circuit or the scene or whatever it's called you start to find out about more parties that are going on and then you just connect the parties so it's like go out go back to a party this party starts to die down a little bit you send a text out to a few people someone tells you about another party you all jump in a taxi go to another party and then you do that over and over again and at first I was like enjoying it and I wasn't well I probably was going over the top, but I wasn't going over the top in, in comparison to what ended up happening. Um, but yeah, and then it became, instead of going out on a Friday, oh, we'll start on wonky Wednesdays and then go out on Thursdays because mm. it were like Thursdays at space, you know what I mean? Student like And, nights and, and student yeah. nights and, you know, you get in and you do that. And then before you know it, you're going out every day of the week and every day that you're going out, you can't go to the club without having a little bit of that or a little bit of this or someone offering you something or whatever. Mm. And then before you know it, you've gone days where you're just doing it consistently and you don't even realise. you like, you go into a world of your own and because you're young and naive, you don't realize your body needs a rest. Your body needs to sleep. You need to eat. You need to hydrate. You know, you need to get a shower. <laughs> like you need to brush your frigging teeth. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's how it got. Um, and because I had access to copious amounts of, of, of silly things now, you know, um, I sort of got myself into a really bad spot with things like, and that's when, so it started off with, with like Coke. Mm. And, um, I was, I was kind of, I'd have that quite often. And then, you know, MCAT came out and I was really young and stupid. And I was like, what's that? And I'd be like, oh, well, it can't be worse than Coke. And I'd do that. And then that ended up getting me really bad. Like I got hooked, um, I used to, it's weird thinking about it now because it just brings, triggers weird memories, but mm. I used to go home after a, like a, um, a party, you know, like a three, four day bender or whatever, after having MCAT and I'd try and go to sleep and my nervous, I'd just be jolting like that in my sleep. Is that the shit that were plant fertilizer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird. It was legal. Yeah, it yeah, illegal it was an illegal high, wasn't yeah, it, when yeah. it first come out? And um, I found out later that the reason I jerk and stuff like that is because MCAT attacks your nervous system. Right. So what that was, that was, is like my nervous system fucking being attacked or whatever, resetting itself, I don't know. I'm not an expert, do you know what I mean? But that's what I found. And then that wasn't doing the uppers, the coke and... Uh, you know, the MCAT and the MDMA um, started to, I enjoyed it, but I was really on edge because I almost couldn't come down because I was having that much of it. It was just hard to like, I'm always like shit jittering and, you know, it's true, your jaw goes because, your jaw goes because you don't really know what else to do. Do you know what I mean? So, so sorry to interrupt, but yeah. no, like your day to day, 
could people see it in you or did people pre-warn you or anything like that or were anyone around at the at the start there was people around me that did care about me mm. and tried to tell me but i ignored them yeah. because i thought i knew it all yeah, like yeah. i thought i uh, you know i'm a young kid and mm. i've had to grow up early in my opinion and i had a grudge i had a chip on my shoulder against my parents and and i just had this mind frame of well i can do whatever i fucking want basically mm. i can do whatever i want like no one can tell me not to do this i want to do it so what mm. and i really thinking back i didn't really have any care for my own life like i wasn't bothered like if i dropped dead i dropped dead right. whatever yeah whatever that were bad yeah now true. You know, but at the time I was just starting to get into the mind frame of, ah, it'd be all right. Yeah, you've gone past young and reckless at that yeah. point, aren't you? Fucking killing yeah. yourself. I mean, yeah. Yeah. back to that MCAT shit. I don't know what happened to it. I guarantee if you could get older some night, we're fucking fortune. Ugh. I'd tell you a story about that. Yeah, so, go on. Do you remember Vampire in Bradford? I love MCAT stories, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're always crazy. Once in there with one of our friends, Jake. Just went out, it might have been a student night, something like that, getting tanked up, but one dancing her out like that, sat there, this kid come up to us, absolutely off his nut, like, yes, boys, yes, boys, yes, boys, yes, boys, I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, you're all right, pal, you, you're not looking too good. <laughs> he went, remember this face. Like, what the fuck? Why, what's up, pal? He went, I'm going to be the first man to grow a tree out of my stomach, up through my... Swear to God, t- telling us this tale, oh, wow. and within 10 seconds of finishing stories went bang, straight on up floor, ambulance, everything. Oh That's not funny, I mean, you know, it is funny, but it's... Yeah, but this is stuff that we're getting sold crazy. legally yeah, at this point. Moles in Bradford, you yeah. could buy that shit. Le- that's Plug. what I mean. <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, yeah. allegedly. No, but that's what I mean, like, it was so readily available, and there didn't seem to be any sort of restrictions or policing or well it would like, get intact to end up there if it were getting sold in shops so I mean. basically it's like you know buy it <laughs> so so by that, i never tried it me like you not no. you didn't you weren't missing anything it was absolutely terrible it just hooked you that's all didn't give you a buzz really like it did the first time but then it just you were always chasing that i so, once saw a fat guy at leeds fest trying to scrape mcat off a cardboard box it was funny because <laughs> <thing I've ever laughs> we're getting caught in all corrugate, corrugated things uh, <laughs> wiggy will remember that. <laughs> that that that's the kind of shit you know and then what happens is is you run into you run into other people that are also taking mcat all the time and then you just like i say you end up in a room with 20 other people that are doing the exact same thing as you. So you're just incubating yeah. and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Oh, should we call another one in? Call another one in? Call another one in? Mm. But then it got to the point where I'd get home and I just I was like on edge. Mm. But at that point, by the way, just to clarify where I was living, I'd moved out of my dad's apartment and I'd moved into another apartment in Burley. Um, so I was right close to the city centre and right close to the students. On yourself? By myself, yeah. Right. So it was, well, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't supposed to be by myself. I was, I was in college and me and like four of our mates were like, yeah, should we get an apartment? And I was dead serious. Because get an apartment, I, get some MK. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was like. And, and they all flaked out and I ended up renting this five bedroom apartment by myself. But I was paying for it by claiming housing benefit at the time because I didn't have a job and or out, do you know what I mean? Um, 
and I were really bad with paying stuff. Like I never paid anything. Right. I think I ended up owing, you know, grands and grands of rent, you know, for that one apartment alone. And, and you know, I got bailed out. My granddad bailed me out. You know, my old, he came. I just had a breakdown one day and he came and he just paid it and then ended up moving out. But, you know, so aside from the living situation, that, that is literally a whole different story, you know, on its own. But I was living by myself mm-hmm. at that point. Like pure by myself as well. And he's still doing wonky Wednesday to Sunday at this yeah, point. Yeah. And I was paying for it by, you know, sort of equaling out, you know. So, for example, I might have a, a nightclub event uh, on, you know, once a week that would just pay for that, mm. pay for the whole thing. And I wouldn't end up with any money because I would go, I would have a nightclub event that, that I was hosting. Or, for example, you know, if it wasn't my event, I'd do some promotional work. Yeah. Um, that I'd get paid cash in hand mm-hmm. and then I'd just go out afterwards and I'd spend it and then you go with other people that do the same thing as you because they can get a bag mm. and you can have a bit of that and you haven't paid for it yeah. and then you, you go around the circle and then it's your turn and you buy it and then everyone has a bit and you sort of all just share it it's just dead weird but then like I say I was becoming jittery and I was like I need something that's gonna like settle me down and I've always smoked weed always like it well I say always but I was introduced to it at a really young age and I abused it at first and and it's helped me out at some dark times so I don't class that as a drug it is a drug but I don't class it as a drug it helped me get away from these harder ones because I went to as a downer I went to ketamine so I started started sniffing ketamine uh, on a daily basis. Mm. Get, eventually, eventually, not at first. At first, it was just a mistake. Actually, someone gave me it as a. This is right. So I'm in one of these mad parties, and um, you know, like I say, you, you you're there with people that have got abundance. Dealers get to know people like that and just sit in the house party with it there and you've mm. got a dealer on the sofa you know what i mean and he would give it to everyone on tick and then the rest of the week would be him going around and collecting what everyone owes him or whatever do you know what i mean so it would just so easily accessible and when you're not in the right mind you do daft things and um i would just at one of these parties and you know uh, i saw someone that i knew and um, she had, I always knew she had MCAT. Mm. And um, I said, give her a little bit of that on a key. And she went, all right, yeah, sound. So she crushed it up and she gave me a mountain. I was like, go on. At the time, it's disgusting now. Disclaimer, don't do drugs. But at Only the time, <laughs> at the time, she, she just gave me it. And I went, add it. And I was like, that's weird, that. That tastes weird. What is that? Mm. And she went, it's Ket. I went, no, it's not. She went, it is. I went, I've never had Ket Mm. before in my life. And then I melted into the wall and I couldn't move. I was like, straight down into the vortex. It was just (laughs) a different... (laughs) It is though, like it is like a vortex. You just spiral downward and... Yeah, I mean, the person who did it felt really bad. She stayed with me the whole time, bless her. But yeah, it were um, a mad experience. And then what happened was, is that when I said I was getting a bit jittery, 
I revisited it. I was like, well, I've had it now. I know what it's like. I wonder if I can control it because I had a lot. I thought if I just try a little bit, see what happens. So I tried a little bit and it were, made me a little bit, but like I was like, all right, this is settling me down and I ended up falling asleep and it was a tiny bit, but then you get used to it and then you have to have a bit more and you end up doing loads and loads and it just, then you're like mixing it with everything else. It's like cocaine, MCAT, MDMA, ketamine, you know, all these things. And that's, you hear about on TV, you know, cocktail of drugs. And that's what I was essentially doing. Not just me, but there are hundreds, thousands, probably millions of people that are doing the exact same thing. It sounds like it's something else that just became normalized to you. Yeah. Like, obviously you've said a few things that ended up normalized to you. Yeah. This, clearly. Yeah. At, at any point, and you might not even think of it this way now, but at any yeah. point while this is going on, are you thinking, am I fucking addicted to drugs? No. 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 I'm just enjoying I, party. I'm just enjoying the party. I'm enjoying my life. I'm doing what I want. I don't have to look after my sisters. I don't have to look after my mum. I don't have to think about where my dad is. I don't have to think about going home to go shopping for food with money that I don't have. Because a little side story, I, I, I couldn't afford food because I wasn't earning any money. I was only paying for the rent. So what I used to do is on the way home from college, I would go into this corner store that was nearby and I would just rob a tin of beans mm. and every week I would also rob a loaf of bread and I never bought anything in that store and I think they knew what I was doing mm. and I think they were just letting it happen because I think back now and I think well I was quite obviously stealing yeah, from yeah. that shop yeah. do you know what I mean and that's how I was feeding myself mm. all the time it were bad and obviously then there was the drugs and I was losing weight and like I said at first there were good people around me but I pushed them away I cut off my mum, my dad, my sisters. I cut off everyone, everybody. And I just went into the party and I disappeared for a long time. And I got to know people that I'm sure are great people, but you don't get to know friends. You just, you pass us by in a mad world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, your best friend if you've got fucking yeah. bag in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They always say cocaine, out like that. It's an idiot drug. Yeah, mm. Yeah. Heroin addicts don't share heroin. No. No, we Fucking, don't share needles. No. You know what I mean? They don't. No. Yeah. You go into, I can walk into a pub in, I don't know, anywhere, Newcastle, Middlesbrough, anywhere. Oh, yeah. And I can guarantee a stranger will end up offering you it if you exactly. talk to him for more than five minutes. Yeah. And it is, it is again, it's abundant in clubs. I, don't, I haven't been to a club for years now, so I wouldn't really know. But I would imagine it's just as easy as it ever has been, probably even easier. So let's... Go to the day where uh, Cookie woke up and thought it's time to change. It's we've okay. had a good party. Let's cool. let's. Yeah, you know I mean. So <laughs> I can already see Smed shaking his head. So basically, uh, what happened was after chasing the ketamine thing, mm. I started looking for another type of a downer because it was just not suffice. So I started. Um, someone offered me a cap as in a bottle cap of gb gbh yeah yeah and for, for those who don't know it's basically a waxy um it starts off in like a white tub it's a waxy product and you boil water and you mix it in with it and you mix it around and then you take bottle caps that's your measurement and you have it and it's like having like is 11 it pints liquid ecstasy that is that no a it's a liquid but i wouldn't call it i mean 
Maybe that's what people call it. I wouldn't call it liquid I thought it was something to do with sex, me. It is. Yeah, well, oh. so well, not completely, but it, 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 it enhances feelings of emotion, right? Ah, right. Um, but what it also does, does is it relaxes your muscles. So rugby players actually take it to heal the muscles. Not me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe not. I, well, I wouldn't class myself as a rugby, rugby player. Either. Boom. Yeah. Boxes, uh, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't class myself as a rugby player. I, I was on a rugby field and yeah. I, would, I played, but no. No GB for This these. explains so much about Otto Sesberg rugby club. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that rugby players take it. Athletes. I yeah. I, I, I heard that it's taken by people who... Um, do a lot of exercise on the muscles to help them uh, heal the muscles because it completely relaxes the muscles, right? Why do you buy this shit? <laughs> <laughs> um, but what happens is when you take too much GB, uh, you, what's called on the scene or what it used to be called, uh, you go under. Mm. And going under, you go on this mad little, like, you try and fight the sleep, you start twitching, you can't control your body, and then you're out. And it's actually a stage two coma that you go into. I didn't know this till afterwards. I have seen this. I've, but, I've seen someone get fucked up on that stuff. So I was also, on top of the other cocktail of drugs, I was also kind of doing that as well. Mm. But it, it's not just, it's important to clarify, like it, it's not just me. Like no, there no. are loads of other people at the same time doing the same thing. So it was normal. Mm. I was like, oh, well, if all these people can survive by taking all this stuff, then why can't I? Mm. You know what I mean? So that's what made me feel safe, that there was a room full of other people that were doing the exact same thing and they were all having the time of their life, mm. or so it seemed. Do you know what I mean? You can only imagine, like, again, because you're all doing it and you're all off your tits and it's all become normalised. Can you imagine watching yourself now and looking there? Like... Yeah. At the time, yeah. obviously, it's the last thing you're going to think yeah. about. But if you could, if you could have dragged yourself out of the situation and looked, you'd soon have fucking realised, wouldn't you? Do you know, it's mad, right? Because I have gone on a journey of like self development and like understanding my past and processing my past. So I want to answer that question in a second because I think there's an important way to answer that of like, what would I do if I could see myself? doing it would I pull myself out of it or not there's an important answer to that question which I have thought about already but to just very kind of connect everything together so I was taking this GB and, and people used to go under all the time and it was weird because you'd have people take the same cap at the same lane like a shot and what would happen is is eventually they'd be like a symphony of people going under at the same time, exactly the same time. So everyone would just drop off, but it never happened where everybody went under at the same time. Like somebody would go under and then everyone would help them, get them into bed and make sure they're not choking on their own sick or whatever. It was really bad to be fair. Um, and then someone else would go under and you'd all help them as well. But I was at this, I was at this party and it was, I was probably six years in to the party scene. Do you know what I mean? Six years in of doing this. Lucky you're not fucking dead at that I know, point. I know, I know, I know, it's crazy. Um, and I was at a, it was like a Tuesday, at, you know, like probably like eight in the morning or something like this. And I was at this apartment, really grubby apartment in the centre of town. And I'd 
not spoken to my mum and dad for probably about a year. Mm. I'd not spoken to my sisters for absolutely ages. So I had no kind of personal support. Mm. And I was in this flat and I'd been in this flat for probably like three days. And it one of them ones, because we used to play CDs, you didn't connect your aux, do you know what I mean? Your yeah, Spotify yeah. and that. So we'd have the same CDs playing over and over again. And what you'd end up doing, it just tripped you out because you'd be like, oh, I heard this song an hour ago, you know, but you'd still be jamming to it like it's the newest song, yeah. you know what I mean? And then we're about three days into this specific party and then all of a sudden um, there are about nine people there and all of a sudden everybody went under at the same time apart from me. Everybody. I'm telling you, it was the weirdest experience I have ever, ever had everybody just went uh, 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 and started going under at the exact same time. Bearing in mind, I was in this apartment with this CD that was playing on repeat. There was a mattress in the living room for some reason. We'd been there for days, so there was crushed beer cans and empty vodka bottles and empty baggies and powder everywhere and, you know, GB everywhere and the sides were sticky and it was just horrible. And... Everybody went under at the same time and I was sat there and I had this cocktail of drugs in my system and I was sat there and I tripped out. I just thought, what has just happened? And then some moment of clarity came to me and I just went, I shouldn't be here. What's going on? I shouldn't be here. So I went outside the apartment and because I thought, because there was loads of things going through my mind, I was like, what if everyone dies? And I'm the only one left. Like, I'll get the blame. Do you know what I mean? Or, like, quite a selfish thought. But then that led me on to thinking, what am I doing here? I shouldn't be here. And then I went outside and I called my sister, Cassie. And bearing in mind, it was like a Tuesday. It was like four or five in the morning or something like that. I can't remember. And, um, you know, my sister, Cassie, lived with my dad Mm -hmm. at the time. And my dad's very straight cut. He doesn't believe in alcohol and drugs and stuff like that like i mean he'll have a drink don't get me wrong he's not like um there's no like religious thing behind it it's just he doesn't himself like alcohol and and drugs um and then i rang my sister and my sister answered um and i just started crying uncontrollably down the phone i didn't even don't think i was even coherent i don't think she i was saying anything she was like where are you and I told her where I was and she knew where the building was. And she went, I'm going to wait, because my sister didn't drive at that time. And she went, I'm going to wait, dad up. I went, he won't come for me. He'll never come for me. It's four in the morning. He hates it. You know, I'm out. I'm, it's Tuesday. He's got work in the morning and oh, he's got work tomorrow. And, you know, that's it. No, forget it, Cassie. It's fine. I'll just stay here. I'll just stay where I am. And then I burst into tears because I knew I wasn't meant to be there. Yeah. Because that sign you know, everyone going under at the same time. It's just a trippy experience. And then my dad came, picked me up with my sister and I got in the back of the car and they did not say a word. And I just cried the whole way home. I just cried. And I was probably about... I can't remember, like early 20s, early 20s, 20 one 22 23 something like that um and 
I just cried. I just cried all the way home. Then I got home and my dad, the first thing he did was he got me a big plate of food and he went, eat that. And he gave me a big glass of water and he said, drink that. And my dad was quite quite strict as I was younger. Like I used to always see him as like the guy who shouted and the guy who like, you, you were kind of scared to upset. Um, and I never really connected to my dad emotionally when I was younger. So this was the first time I was ever connecting on an emotional kind of level with him. Um, and he just sat there and he said, get it all out. And what I decided to do was, at that point, I'd tangled myself in a web of lies because I was telling lies to explain my actions because I was just constantly lying to people. So again, that became normalized to me. I was lying to people about how much drugs I'd taken, how long I'd been out for, what I was doing, where I was going. It was just a constant lie all the time. And I sat there and I said, Dad, I've got so many lies. I don't know where to start. Like, how do I begin this like process of untangling it? He said, just say every lie. Just say every lie out loud. Just say it. And I sat there for probably two hours and I just told him everything from start to that point. I told him everything. Um, him, me and my sister were all sat at this table and I didn't touch the food. I think I drank the water. And um, then my dad very calmly afterwards said to me, he said, right, look, you can stay here uh, in the spare room and there's some conditions and the conditions are that you go on a journey to help yourself if that's what you want to do if you don't want to help yourself don't help yourself but I can't allow you to um, make that environment um, sort of I can't allow you to poison this environment with that attitude because I don't want that in my life that's what he was saying I don't want that in my life and I respect that do you know what I mean and he said right so get rid of your apartment. No, sorry, at the time. Right, okay, so this is another little uh, spin-off to the story. Uh, during this sort of six-year drug binge, I ended up losing my flat um, because I couldn't afford to pay it. And I ended up sofa surfing at first. So I left everything that I owned in the flat apart from a black bin bag of clothes. And I ended up, sleeping on the sofa of anyone that would have me at the end of the party and there was so many people that would sort of be all right with me staying there and I'd always just have this black bin bag with me or I would leave it at someone's house and then circle back a few days later to get it and that's how I was living my life sleeping on sofas so you can imagine at this point when I've rang my sister I've got nowhere to go back to if I wanted to I've got nowhere that I can go. So I'm either sleeping at this apartment around all these people that could be dead, you know, or I go sleep somewhere else. And there was a short period in between sofa surfing a few times where I slept rough. I slept out. Um, Like there was one point where I think I had a massive argument with my mum when I was in the early years of, of, of going on the party. I had a huge argument with my mum. And she wouldn't let me in the house. She wouldn't let me in the house. And she was just like, no, we can't. This is just bad for the environment. And it was, a lot of it was me. I was just not a great person to be around because I had a lot of anger inside me. 
Um, and I ended up sleeping in the park just up from my mum's house, just on a bench with my boom bag underneath the bench. And whenever anyone would walk past, I'd be so embarrassed that I'd sit up and pretend I was just sat in the park. But I would, as soon as it became clear, I'd like lay down and try to get some sleep. Um, that was rough. That was, that was, that was hard. Because I kept that, I kept that from everyone. I kept that from everyone until we call it the table moment in my family. We refer to that moment as the, the, the table moment when me, my dad and my sister were sat there and I kind of got everything out. Um, and I told them, I kept the sofa surfing thing and the sleeping rough thing. I kept that to myself for a very long time. I didn't tell anybody. Um, and I told them, and it just felt good to get it off my chest. I was like, yeah, just right. I don't have anywhere. I'm homeless. Do you know what I mean? I don't have anywhere. Kudos, kudos to your dad. I mean, I know you said oh, yeah. back in the day that sometimes they weren't present when you thought you needed him, but I think if there were ever a point in your life when you did need him, then it turned up. It yeah, were 100%. He saved me. Like, oh, he saved me. Sounds like you know. it, mate. You'd been. And, and I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'd be without him, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I'd, You know, I can't just, you know, kudos to my sister as well. You know, yeah. she she were there. She helped the situation massively. Um, but anyway, so I got everything out of, you know, all the lies, all the issues. Um, and then he said to me, he said, I want you to do research on my laptop because he had a really massive laptop. <laughs> it sounded like an aeroplane when you <laughs> and you were just like, whoa, no one can, you know, imagine if you're watching porn or something. You're like, <laughs> what are you doing? No, no, no. <laughs> so I don't do that, by the way. Just clarifying, I don't watch that stuff. Yeah. Um, so so like anyway, it's bad for you, isn't it? It's, it's bad pop, for you, yeah. Yeah. bad energy. So my dad said to me, he said, Is it? <laughs> <laughs> he said I want you to research these two people and he gave me two names and the names were Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer yeah and he wrote them down on this bit of paper well no sorry he gave me a scrap of paper and he said write these two names down so I wrote them down so Deepak Chopra Wayne Dyer and he said turn it around and he went right I want you to write a one or two line paragraph that's not too specific but it's got to contain what you want to achieve so I wrote this paragraph and I should have brought it with me to me I've still got the piece of paper so this, I'll show you yeah. I framed it for a long time because it helped me uh, and on the piece of paper I wrote I want my own home I want a stable job with a stable income I didn't have a car at the time I didn't have a license so I want a car and I want a family of my own. And that's what I wrote. And then I achieved it mm. and I got there and I framed it. I actually kept it in my wallet every single day until I got to the point where I thought, okay, I can take this out of my wallet now because I've got it. What oh, show us it. Me and KP will get it tattooed. <laughs> I, I'll, I will bring it down to you. That's beautiful. But yeah. I, I, I wrote it down and, and what, the reason that helped is because, and I put it in my wallet, and, and wallets are becoming extinct these days, aren't they? Nobody carries a wallet around really anymore. I don't even do it, but at the time, you take your wallet everywhere with you. 
And uh, what, what happened was, was whenever it became hard or whenever I felt down or like I didn't know where the direction of my life, I just took out this piece of paper and I read it and it helped and it stopped me from going down that spiral. And then, so I got a stable job. I started to learn what it was like working in a professional environment. You know, it turns out that, you know, I, I said to my dad, I was like, so I won't go into this story. We can talk about this another time. But I also went to college and didn't didn't finish any of the courses that I went to. But I went to about four years worth of courses. I didn't finish one thing. Mm. Uh, one of them was IT. The other one was drama. The other one was media. Um, Doesn't sound all right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And um, uh, so uh, I can't remember the reason I said that. But basically, I, I'd gone through sort of um, trying things out and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, if that makes sense. I just knew I wanted to do something technical. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or just completely be a drama queen, which is why I did performing arts, yeah. <laughs> um, which I ended up being a drama queen for quite a while. How old are you at this point? So... Ish. At the point, so college is, college, um, I was, I went straight after school. So it was Ah, like the four years after school. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. The last two years were really rough because I didn't turn up a lot of the time because I was out partying and stuff like that. But I did do them four years straight after school. Um, So anyway, so at this point, the table moment, um, my my dad said this thing, I've got this piece of paper, I kept it with me, um, and what my process was, was, okay, so what does everything lead back to? Everything leads back to, sort of, unfortunately, however you, if you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter, but society is led by money. Mm-hmm. that's what society is led by you can't be like oh i don't care about money like i don't care about money but you need to have money mm-hmm. to get anywhere mm-hmm. unfortunately that's just how we as a civilization have built society and for us to change that we'd have to go back thousands of years and change the the process of trading do you yeah, know what i mean yeah. so you can't beat the system from the outside you have to be inside the system to beat it you know and for me I wanted to learn all right how do I earn money how do I earn money like legally in the right way by paying taxes and doing everything that I should do how do I get that money into my bank and feel secure so I don't have to look over my shoulder all the time or worry about where I'm going to get cash to do this or to do that where can I get that stable income? And the only answer is to just get a job. <laughs> like a simple, just get a job mm. to start with. Doesn't matter where it is, just get a job to start with. You could be folding clothes in a, in a, uh, um, you know, a, a shopping center or, you know, at McDonald's or whatever. I worked at Tesco's. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? D- uh, on the checkouts. And it was the most boring job in the world. Mm. Um, not because it's Tesco's. No no insult on Tesco's. Other supermarkets, Other are, supermarkets available. are available. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I was like, okay, right. So I need to get a job. So I figured out what kind of job I was good at. And I'm good at talking, quite obviously. Yeah. And uh, so sales became like second nature. I was just like, I could sell anything to anyone. Ice to ice commas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and because I had a technical mindset as well, it was even better if I was selling something that was technical. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was like, so I worked at what used to be Orange, it's now EE now. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I used to work at Orange on the phones, just selling SIM cards. And I was probably the most annoying salesman in the world, but I absolutely smashed my target every single time. And because the thing that I was looking at was my commission. It is a selfish thing to look back on now and think, you know, there was probably a few people that I did miss sell, you know what I mean, at the time, because I just wanted to, I just wanted my money. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. That's all I wanted. Can I just ask, obviously, you spent six years basically around fucking down and out drug addicts as normal as it seemed at time they were not right people Mm, yeah definitely how did you find integrating back in to normal society with normal people that were just out shopping and like didn't want all off you you didn't want all off them apart from the money obviously but having a job and just interacting with society as a whole it was weird it was weird because you sort of, you think everyone's got an ulterior motive. You just think everyone is like, I don't know, it's hard because you, you, the automatic thing for you to do is to see the darkness in everyone. You know what I mean? You, you think, oh, well, yeah, you might be a prim and proper now, but, you know, I bet you go home and rack a line. You know what I mean? You just have that darkness mm. inside of you and you would assume that on everyone else. And just think everyone's bad because... You're acting. Yeah, exactly. Acting, and I, li- I later on learned that that's all about the energy that you're putting out to the world. And if you continue to put that energy out to the world, then obviously you're only ever going to get that energy back. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But again, that's probably a different, <laughs> a real different episode to talk about. But um, on this journey to, to where I am now, um, I so obviously I learned about sales. I learned about what it was like to be in a professional environment. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where so I was really lucky. I ended up working, I had a number of different sales jobs. And then I sort of strategically, every time I moved job, I was trying to make it a little bit more technical, like focused, a little bit more digital based. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting a job at Google, which was <laughs> a fluke <laughs> at best. I mean, I seen this job available on whatever the job board was. And... Um, I applied for it. It just said Google, account manager. Where were it? Uh, it was in Leeds. I now know that it was through Capita. Capita. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it was actually directly I'd just leave that Google. there with that story. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I worked for Google. Anyway, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that why I don't ma- that's why I don't mention Capita. <laughs> right, so we're picking back up where we left off after a quick toilet break. Uh, so you worked at a phone shop. You've got a job with Google. Yeah. So, I somehow managed to bag this job at Google. It was just crazy. <clears throat> so, <coughs> excuse me. So, okay, so it was like, it was an account management um, thing. I didn't know what that meant. Mm. I was like, yeah, okay, it sounds like it could be sales, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and it's at Google. And then I got, I, I applied for it. Didn't think I was going to get anything back. And um, like two days later, someone called me like, hi, I'm calling from Google. Da, 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 da. Just wanted to know if you're still interested in the job. I went, yes, you definitely. A hundred percent. Have I got it? Yeah, like being dead cocky. And she was just like, no, no, you've got to go through a process. There's an interview process. And it was a really stringent interview process. There was like four levels. You all had to go in. They did teamwork tests and all this stuff. Brainstorming asked you to ask you really obscure questions to figure out how creative you are and stuff um 
and I made it anyway. I made it through. I basically got to the end, and you know there was me and a team of people, and you know we were really good. We were a strong team, um, and I was placed into a team called Hypo, <laughs> which matches my personality kind of. But um, it was the High Potential team, yeah. And this was a team of um, account managers, so salespeople, um, that basically sold Google Ads as a service to businesses and what would happen is is you'd say do you want to advertise on google yeah here's your account i'll set it up for you this is what we would suggest you do this is how the campaign should be structured and so on and so on so i learned all that from google mm. because they had the training courses and that was like i think it was a two-month training course there'll be Whoever I worked with, they're like, no, it was we, it was one week, but it was like, I'm sure it was like, it felt like two months anyway, if it wasn't, but it was a long intense, time. Intense, it was so, yeah. well intense, yeah. yeah, really intense. Um, and, you know, looking back on it, it needed to be because when you were selling the product, business owners, they just want to know facts. They don't want to mess around, you know, selling business to business because I was selling business to consumer, so like to you as a layman do you know what i mean i was selling to you um but there is a real switch in selling business to business because you've got to just you can't have all these sales tactics where you dance around the subject and you try and convince them and get them to like you and stuff there is an element of that but you've got to really know what you're talking about and re understand that a business person does not want to waste their time mm. They don't want to waste their time. They've got too many other things to deal with, regardless of whether they're a big business or a small business. Small business, they need to, they're, they've got, they're wearing like 20 different hats. I know now because I am a business owner, but they're wearing like 20 different hats. So you need to make sure you're appealing to that person and selling the, the service to them so that it's solving a problem that they currently have and they can't solve themselves, which is more revenue for the business. Do you know Can what I mean? just ask? So you said that you were selling Google advertising. Is what is that like? Where is it on Google? Is that where you go on Google and it says sponsored at top? Or? Yeah, right. Well, okay. There's multiple areas. So in a nutshell, it's called the Google network. It's split up by it. it um, so the ch the channels that you see Google ads on are so one channel would be. Google search. So when you go to Google.com and you search on the search engine, you're seeing the Google search results when you've searched for something and they are search ads underneath. Yeah. And then you've got products at the top. So say for example, you search, um, Nike trainers. Yeah. You search Nike trainers. There are other trainers available. Um, but then underneath you see products, you see Nike trainers with the price. And then you see underneath that, um, links to websites that sell the products. Mm -hmm. The top ones are on the shopping network, which is you selling products that you actually have on your website and you're getting people to click on your product, go to that product on your website and buy. Then you've got the search ads, which is we have this product on this page and here's a little bit of information about why you should go to this page and have a look at the product now. And that's where you try and appeal to someone and, and make sure you're solving an issue that they have, which right. might be, I want some night trainers in size 11 that are black. I've got them. We've got them here. And this is our price in comparison to everyone else. Right. So the Google shopping, Google search, then you've got what's called Google display, which contains or consists of um, all um, 
uh, like visual ads. So you know when you go on like a newspaper's website, for example, um, and then you see them little squares with images in them that is advertising uh, a business or a product or something, or now you can see videos as well in them. Um, that's the Google Display Network, and that is advertising on other websites that will earn a little bit of money every time someone clicks on that ad on their website. They'll earn a little bit of money. And then you can also advertise through YouTube, which is basically the annoying ads that you can't skip when you're listening to music. Yeah. So that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, that's what I was doing at Google. That's what we offered as a service. So I was selling this to businesses, and obviously this is an investment for businesses, and it's not cheap. It's like, it is expensive to advertise, because the reason it's expensive is just simply because everybody's doing it, and it's so valuable, and it works. Mm -hmm. It actually works. So Google capitalized on that, and they increased the cost that it, you know, cost that it is to click on one of these ads, because that's how you pay cost per click. Um, or pay-per-click, sorry, PPC. Um, and, um, and yeah, so there was a real shift in sort of selling B2C um, to B2B, business to business, uh, in the way I approach things. And I really learn what the priorities of business owners actually is. What is the priority of a business owner? Um, they hate to think of it as marketing. They, they like to think, well, this is just a strategy to make money. It's just one channel to make money. So you've got to kind of help them understand that. So that's what I did. Um, I, d I ended up doing really well. I was um, sort of quite often floating around the top of um, the, the the sales sheet. Um, you know, I probably missed Target a few times in the beginning because it was really hard to get it to, to grips with. But eventually I started kind of being around about the top. But... I didn't really like the environment. So I was there for about, I think it was about five years. I might be wrong, but I was there for about five years. And the workplace environment just became very clicky and quite toxic. And it wasn't a great place to be. Um, it was just very clicky. There was just groups of people and I've never been the kind of person. That's why on the, you know, going back to our past, in the party scene, it's very clicky, very, very clicky. Um, and I always tried to stay clear of it. I just never liked being in them kind of groups. And that is what I was reminded of when I came to the realisation that Google's quite a clicky place. Well, this office that I'm in is anyway. Um not saying that all of Google is, but that's what it was like for me. So I wasn't happy. And then there was a, a, a moment when I was there that they were, they needed to let people go because they were moving most of the operation to Barcelona and they were offering people jobs to go to Barcelona. And at this point I was single. I wasn't, oh no, I tell a lie. I was, um, I was in the early stages of seeing my fiance now. And, um, I, I was just in the mind for it, like, I can't remember if they offered me to go to Barcelona, but I considered it in my head. I was like, well, if I was offered, would I go? And um, yeah, I, I, I obviously didn't go because I was in the early stages, early few years of, of being with Rich, and I wanted to kind of really give it a go mm. um, because I'd never really done that before. Oh, um, so yeah, so at, at that point, you know, that was around about the time as well that I was framing that piece of paper saying that, you know, I want stable income and all that kind of stuff because I'd achieved it at that point. That's what I'd 
achieved. Uh, so I, I kind of framed it and it ended up on the side by me in bed. Um, and it just, I just wrote, I folded it up and wrote, keep going. and just left it there and I just looked at it every now and then and I was like, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and then I left Google. I went to an, an agency that was a marketing agency, a huge volume-led marketing agency. They had thousands and thousands of customers across the UK and they were so bad it was just terrible to be there like the work environment wasn't great because the people weren't knowledgeable about what they were charging businesses for so they all wanted to try and one up each other because there was like they all didn't know anything well, and obviously sorry to interrupt yeah, well, yeah. In, in football terms you were at man city of google where were you in that company? Where what league? You know what I mean? To, for like League Two, it right. was just yeah. terrible. Yeah. Although they were presenting themselves as Premier League, right? Do you know what I mean? So they were presenting themselves to businesses that were. This is the thing: they would buy data from. Um, well, I don't know if they'd buy it directly from Companies House, but Companies House is like where you set your business up and you officialize your business, and there is a way for you to buy the data of newly. Uh, formed businesses uh, and you can get like the address the name of the directors the the phone number that's why when you set up a business you get loads of letters from accountants and stuff like that they want to offer the service so essentially what I mean I can't say this is exactly what they were doing but it seemed like they were just approaching brand new business owners that had no idea that were just you know wide-eyed and had no experience and saying give us your money and we'll do your advertising and then when it came to what they were actually doing with the money they were doing nowhere near what it was capable of and I knew this because I'd just come from Google mm. And I just spent years learning how powerful this tool is. And you're charging businesses that are brand new, mm. hundreds even, thousands of pounds to do advertising. And you're, you're setting these campaigns up so basically to the point where it's like, how are they even working? But not, on, not only that, they were taking a percentage of the money that they were being paid for themselves, of course. Do you know what I mean? Because I've got to make money, but the percentage was ridiculous. And I'm not going to go into specifics or who it is, but it was just terrible to be there. I stayed there for a while to figure out what I wanted to do um, because you know, although they were terrible, I, they paid decent commission. And then every now and then I tried to like, I tried to stick to selling websites rather than selling Google ads because I didn't believe in what they were doing. Whereas when I sold a website, it was like a brand new website for a brand new business and it was cheap and it did the basic stuff. It was pretty much what a business owner needed, you know, to begin with. So I was happy selling websites, but I just didn't want to sell Google advertising because it was just not right. They just weren't doing it correctly. And after being there for a few years, I obviously got to know the people in the office and a lot of people felt the same. So, um, you know, fast forward a little bit, uh, me and my current business partner decided that we were gonna leave the agency and just set up by ourselves just see why not give it a go and the guy who i partnered with he was like the top salesman he knocked me off the top spot as soon as he came in 
and he just obliterated my record within a month of being there. So he was unbelievable at sales generally. And I was, I was in, I, I'd like spent that three years up in my knowledge technically about all different areas. Yeah. So like Google ads and then there's Facebook ads and what are the differences? How do you get it set up? You know, how is a website built? How does that work? What is SEO? You know, what, what is all this stuff? Like all these synonyms and, and, and words that you've never heard. I wanted to understand it so that ultimately I could sell it later on down the line. But I also wanted to learn how to do it so that I wasn't selling something that I didn't know the capability of. Because I don't want to, I didn't want to sell on a, a fake kind of, um, yeah, this is going to be great for you as a business just to get the money. Yeah, yeah. I wanted it to be like, no, I actually know that you can do this. So if you apply this strategy that I know to your business, it will definitely work for you because I've done it mm. myself. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. So that's what I was trying to do, gain experience and up my knowledge just in them three years that I spent at that agency trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then the opportunity came and me and my partner decided, right, let's, let's make a break for it. And at that point in my personal life, I was living month to month, not unlike a lot of people in the UK, just every paycheck. It was a good paycheck, but we were spending it within the month and my bank account was down to zero again at the end of the month and I'd get my wage and, you know, with the same process would, would, would continue. Um, so by that point, I didn't have any money to invest at all i had no money to invest it was like i can give you my time and my knowledge yeah. and that's it and my partner said well i can get us some money if you can if i can sell your time and knowledge i was like yeah, let's go mm -hmm. and he we we left we handed us well it was a little bit of a, um, a messy uh, exit for my partner <laughs> um but I just decided, once I decided I was going to quit, I just, we were talking about it outside and I went, right, I'm going to go quit now. And he went, I dare you to, because he's just, he's, he loves, I love him. You'd like him, I think. He's a bit, he's a bit much, but I, I love him. And he went, I dare you to. And I went, I fucking will. He went, and he went, no, you won't. I went, I fucking will. I promise you I will. He went, go on then. I went, all right. And I stomped, it was in the middle of Leeds City Centre, and I stomped up, left everyone behind, and I walked out. And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, fuck. Obviously, I've got Rach at home. I've got, you know, my eldest at home, who was only like, what are we talking, four, five, six, seven, maybe seven, eight, oh, I can't remember, something like that, about eight years old. And I'm like, am I making the right? I'm literally on my way to have my noticing, and I'm thinking about it, and then there's a lift, and... We're on 14th floor, of course. So I'm in the lift by myself thinking, looking at myself in the mirror going, I ain't even, I ain't even, I haven't spoken to Rach at this point. I've not even said anything to her about doing it. Mm. I'm just like, right. And I thought, we can do this. So I went upstairs and I said, where's my manager? Oh, she's out. <laughs> More time to do it. I was like, so I went, all right, I'll sit at my desk. And I'm not motivated to do any work because I know I'm about to quit. So I'm just sat there clicking it, like looking. Every time door opens, I'm like, who's that? It's not my manager. And she ends up having a bit of a late lunch. And I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, she comes in and I went, right, I need to speak to you. As soon as she walked in, I need to speak to you. Yeah, yeah, let me just sit down. I'm going to put my bag down and get my coat off and stuff. And I went, all right. 
So then she sat down and opened her laptop and started looking at something. And I went, whatever her name is, I went, I need to see, I need to speak to you right now. She went, all right, come on then. So we went into the meeting room and I just said, look, I quit. Um, that's it, I'm done. She went, why can't we keep you? Bearing in mind, you know, I was bringing in a lot of revenue for the business, whether I was top salesman or not, I was still bringing in revenue for the business. So she's like, can't we keep you? What can we do? And I went, no, nah, I'm sick of this place. It's it's horrible. I, I, I actually think I went a bit far, but I, I just told her about herself. I told her, I said, look, you are a terrible manager as well. You are just, you have no knowledge about what your staff are selling. You, 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 your management skills are ancient, like we're in the 70s. It's ridiculous. And you're supposed to be, you know, managing a team in a leading creative digital agency, you know, and, and this is you. What are you doing? And I was very honest with her. Um, it did make her cry and I felt really bad in the in the room. And I did say to her, you know, I'm I'm so sorry that I've 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 said that, but I think it's important. And this all comes from this stems my thought process of of being brutally honest, which is the way I am now, comes from the table moment when I realised that the best way to be the best way to love yourself is not to retain a lie and also not to lie to others when and not to lie to others, but then to extend on that, you you then have to learn there is a time and a place or there is a way to say it without it coming across rude. At that point, I hadn't figured that out. So I, was, I, I obviously upset her um, and I left and that was it. You probably did a world of good at some point there, you know. I know I it might so, have upset her there, but at least she could self-reflect a little bit and thought, fuck. Yeah, for figured sure. out here or I need to make changes. So as much as it upset her at time, true first end it there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I do really hope she was a nice person. She was a nice person just generally. Mm. Didn't have a bad word to say about her generally, but work wise for that environment, it was what it was. So anyway, so I left and then my partner left and we met up the next day and he was like, Right, we need to get some money for rent for an office and we we sat down in a pub and I went, right, does ever anyone have any connections to anyone that owns office space? And my partner said, yeah, actually, yeah, I do. And he says, let me give him a call now. So he called him. Jerry, he's called Jerry. He's, he's lovely. And his wife, Sheila. And um, they went, yeah, come down. Yeah, come down. And we were dead honest again. Yep, got no money, mate. Nothing. He went, well, I do need to have a bond and a first month's rent. And he told us how much it was. And, and Joe went, right, okay. My partner, Joe. Uh, he went, right, okay. So we went away. We had to think, how can we get this money? Joe made a few calls to some ex-clients of his that he'd had in the past years and years ago. And he got a bite. And someone bit for the exact amount that we needed for the rent and agreed to stay on a 12-month retainer for that amount every month. So we had our rent sorted. The next day, after viewing the office and saying we had no money, we went back and gave him the money for the rent the Sick. next day. 
And in the meantime, there was all the process of like setting up the business and, you know, there was all that which we did do beforehand. And it's important not to gloss over that because a lot of the beginning of doing a bit like setting a business up is is hard and a lot of people abandon it because it's confusing. You don't know what to do. What's company's house? What do you set up? Are you a limited company? Are you a sole trader? You know, what's an LLC? You know, when do I do my taxes? You know, all that kind of stuff, which by the way, you should be taught in school and you're not yeah. because they want you to they want you to be slaves to the system um different story uh different time and um we got through that we got the money for 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 the rent every month and then it was just about right we need how much money do i need in my bank at the end of this month mm. and unfortunately it wasn't a small amount it was you know i needed well it wasn't a small amount for the time. It is a, a relatively small amount now that I'm able to kind of, uh, I've been able to pull myself out of that ditch that I was in. But at the time, like it was two two thousand pounds a month is what I needed. Like yeah, yeah. after tax in my bank, and that was quite a lot of money, really. From starting um, scratch. From starting is, scratch. Yeah, not, I needed it. You're, you're not a, uh, like a salary or whatever else. You're finding that two thousand pound a month, and I'm guessing that's both of you needing that as yeah well. well what i needed he needed the mm. same so it was like right so we've got the we've got the rent so now what's our target well four thousand pounds is what we need in this business and we need someone to give us that money and how we're going to do that so we got the money for the rent by selling google ads and it was me setting up the ads uh, and um, I did have a contact with someone who did it freelance as well, which we ended up paying him to help us out a little bit as I started to take control of, which then later developed into more sales, which we actually ended up getting enough money to pay ourselves what we wanted at the end of the month at the absolute minimum. So in the first month, we made about we made it enough to pay our wages plus the rent and we had that guaranteed at the end of the first month and that was through and we had no money in the business i had mm. zero basically i had 30 days to find money yeah that was yeah. it at this point like after your first month are you then thinking fucking hell we've got this we're, we're, we're nailing it we, we said five grand we've got five grand are you thinking shit next month i need five grand the month after i need five grand so the benefit was, is that we were selling it on a retainer. So we were selling it on a basis of like, okay, do you like this service? Is this a good service? Yeah, I do want to do Google Ads. All right, this is our retainer. That means you pay us that amount of money every single month for a guaranteed amount of time. Mm -hmm. We didn't contract people in, but we always suggested 12 months because really you do want a 12 month like strategy. You do need to have a 12 month strategy. Yeah. Um, so that it wasn't, unintentional that we did that it is something that a business needs but that's the benefit of it once we'd made them retainers it was like right okay the only thing we've got to worry about is losing a customer and potentially not get keeping that retainer because we never locked anyone into contracts because we didn't believe in contracts because the agency we we're at before was like 12 months and 24 month contracts and it's mm -hmm. like well I'm a business. I don't know if this is still going to work for me in three months. Do you know what I mean? So we were like, no contracts. 
People can stay for as long as they want to stay, so we work on merit. So it caused us every single month to evaluate what we were giving our existing customers. Is it enough for what they're paying? And probably at first it wasn't enough, do you know what I mean? Or maybe we were offering too much. There was times where we weren't charging enough Mm -hmm. for the amount of work we were doing. And we were working ourselves ragged and earning the same amount of money or whatever. And at first, we, you know, we did do things wrong. We we paid ourselves when we probably shouldn't have paid ourselves. And then we ended up having to go back to HMRC and say, hey, oh, sorry, we paid ourselves then. We need to, what's the fine? What's the penalty? Da, da, da. And then we'd be like, right, we need to earn enough money to pay this fine as well. And then it was like, oh, it was the first year I was on edge every day, hmm. every day. I'd go home and I wouldn't stop working. I'd go home and I would open my laptop and just keep working till my eyes closed and I'd be fall I'd be asleep at my laptop, constantly thinking, what can we do? How can I you know, I need to keep putting the hours into this business. And you know, the thing that you probably don't hear is that like it really, really affected my relationship with my partner, like massively. You know, she got the brunt of my stress, but she's just such a kind-hearted person. Like, she's so, just to the core of her, she's good as a person. And she could, without her, I wouldn't have been able to do this. Like, straight out, Mm. I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. Because she allowed me that peace of mind at home. She didn't she understood why i was stressed Mm. she's a home bird she likes to create a homely environment and she did that Mm. for you know myself and her and our son Mm. Uh, you know clarification it's he is my stepson Mm -hmm. he's not my uh blood son but i don't we don't have stepsons and stepsisters it's just he's my son you know and he has got a dad and he is around you know Mm. so just to clarify he's not a a piece of shit you know he's he's actually trying so that's good that's all you can ask for Mm. so so okay so um we're talking about uh the business um first few months then i'm kind of worried the first year i'm on edge every single day i'm working till i'm falling asleep every single day every hour that i can um probably unhealthily burning the candle at both ends and then um we went through some real turmoil in the business, which I don't think is appropriate to kind of bring up, but there was some real turmoil in the business between the people that were working there because it wasn't just me and my partner. Now there was, we had about three other people that were there and that's when you really understand each other's personality. Mm -hmm. Like you get to know people because you're with them at least nine to five in what is a relatively small office smaller than this room and you are just like hyper focused together everything you do is that you can hear everything that everyone else is talking about can hear all conversations you're all focusing on the same thing and then tensions are high people argue you know i'm prone to arguments i'm prone to being like quite loud and aggressive which i've over the years managed to tone down but that is my auto that is like my my uh, instinctual kind of thing is to fight. That's just what I'm like instinctively. And, uh, 
you know, there was a lot of problems with a lot of different aspects at the start and you have to be able to work with the people that you're with. It's better to have, you know, 20% of something than 100% of nothing. Mm -hmm. So if you can team up with people that complement what you want the business to be structured like, then that's what we were doing. And we all just came together and it, we thought it was going to work and it didn't. Mm. And it ended up being that everybody else dropped off and me and who's my partner now um, uh, stayed on. And then we, you know, and, and, and again, no, nothing bad about the people that, that were with us at the start. It just wasn't for them. Like mm. I still, you know, I hope that they're doing great and I try and stay in contact as much as I can. But away from that my focus was i need this to work it needs to work like if it doesn't work then i've put a lot of time and i've risked my relationship um with with my partner who i absolutely love mm-hmm. um and it was just i was so determined to make sure that I succeeded this time. And what people don't understand is I try, I have tried to set businesses up in the past and failed more times than I even can count. I can't tell you how many times I've failed. I have failed at setting businesses up and lost money on things. Jeez, man, I wouldn't even, you know, triple figures it's, it, that many times. Um, but so, with this. So can, there, can I ask what has drove you? What, knowing they kept failing, why, what's, let me get it right why didn't you just think fuck it I'll just get a 9 to 5 what drove you to build because I really wanted there to be more in me Mm. I really wanted to be more than just accepting living a 9 to 5 which I don't have a problem I think it's okay. Like yeah, yeah. if people like yeah. it, that's fine. But for me, it was like, hmm, there's more, there's more. Mm. I, and I also, I like, I like the thought of having control of my own finances. Like I don't like the thought like of an employer making me redundant Yeah. at their will. Like, well, yeah, you've had this job for 15 years, but we are unfortunately making you redundant. You know, industries take dives. Mm. You know, there were people 30 years ago that were selling, you know, paper, you know, mm. you don't sell it, you go to Staples or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you, you don't sell. But they were doing it, and they thought that that was going to last forever. Mm. And then it didn't because the introduction of technology has just completely wiped that industry out. Oh, yeah. So for me, I always thought to myself, I don't want someone else to be in control of when I can earn money. What happens to when I get to 60 years old and I've earned this same amount of money for the rest of my life? Then I've got to depend on a business that is holding the money that I've been putting into the pot for my pension. I've got to depend on them giving me that money and not going bust and losing all my money, like you hear the horror stories. You know, and before I know it, retirement age, I'm, you know, it's, I'm struggling to move around and yeah. I'm struggling to be as sprightful as I am. So I thought, no, now, it has to happen now. It has to be right now that this works. And I have put so much time into upskilling myself to understand what it is that the business was to be structured around, which is Google ads, Facebook ads, websites, all the digital side of the world. Um, It has to work. And my partner had the same tenacity, still has the same tenacity. Then we became, 
as business owners, we you become recruiters. Mm. So you have to recruit your team, the right people to be around you. And there's a lot of kind of attrition at the start. Like you have people that you 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 employ someone, then you know it's not for them, or they don't want to be in a startup and. You can't offer them the money that they probably deserve and they don't have the same vision as you and they can't see past the fact that you're in an office that's got a leaky roof, that, you know, in the winter it's freezing cold and you've got to sit in your coat and, you know, they can't see past that, which, fair enough, do you know what I mean? It's hard to see. I could see past it because I could see the vision. I could see what I was aiming for. Um, so, yeah, that's... that's And then, you know, fast forward to right now, today... Um, we're in our fourth successful year. We've never lost money. We've never lost money. Uh, um, oh no, sorry. I think we're going into our fifth year. I might be wrong. Fourth or fifth year. Um, we've never lost money. The the least that we made in a year was we broke even, mm-hmm. at the very least. Um, we've just done our accounts. We've grown again. Um, we have eight, soon to be ten staff. Um, we have. Now, uh, we're, we're just in the process of moving our offices to, or we haven't fully decided yet, but in my mind, I have. We're just about to uh, move our offices and our operation to Saltaire, which is obviously a national heritage site. It's a beautiful area, beautiful village in a, 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 an amazing office environment. And we're gonna, you know, and, that, and, and we're gonna continue to grow. And that's, that's how I got from there to there and... Yeah, that's it. I don't know if I'm speaking just for myself or both of us, but I just want to thank you for the brutal honesty you've gone through. Uh, There were bits where we all can agree you could have skipped on, but you didn't. Um, And what would you say to someone who could have been in your position 15 years ago? What would you say to that person if they say, if they, fingers crossed, we reach one person. what would you say to them but that they don't see an end? All right, so this is actually going to link to the question that I said we'd come back to earlier that you said, Jake. Uh, and that wasn't planned, so we're <laughs> on the same page there. But so you said, would if I could, um, basically, would I pull myself out of that environment? Yeah, if, if you were still looking to, at yourself yeah. and what you were doing and what stage you were at your life, what, you know? So from. So I am an overanalyzer. So what I tend to do is I process all of, I process my day. Now what I try to do is I process my day at the end of the day and I've got like a really healthy routine, which if you like, we can end on what I do on a daily basis, which I feel like improves my productivity and my life. But if I look back on where I was, would I take myself out of that environment or would I change the course of what I went through and the initial reaction for me is yeah because mm. it hurt man like it hurt and and not to kind of over exaggerate it but it was painful like there was times when I did want to kill myself like I was ready to go like I was just ready to just leave like just whatever you know I don't want myself to have felt that but I don't think I would be in the same place if I hadn't felt that. Mm -hmm. So part of me wants to say, yeah, I would pull myself out. But the real side, the the side of me that knows 
that what makes me who I am today is I've drawn on the negatives that happened to me in my life. I've drawn on it and turned it into a superpower. I've made it so that the reason I am so tenacious, the reason that I will, I will succeed is because I've changed everything about my life to focus on achieving as much as I possibly can. Mm. Everything, right? I mean, we didn't even touch on who Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer are. Yeah, I, I, you know. I'm going to ask you that at end, <laughs> but, actually. Which, to be honest, that is a whole other episode, which, which we can, I'm happy to sit here, by the way, guys. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. Like, I, I've loved it. I love talking, <laughs> as you know. Mm. Um, and I really hope this goes somewhere, and I really hope it helps people if it if it can. But you know, you you I learn about myself through that. Uh, you know, I've told you the kind of face value ladder of where I went. You know, I ended up owning a business, but there is a whole other side of that, which is like you you attract what you put out into the universe mm -hmm. like there's all this thing about think positively and it's been so overdone that people roll their eyes when they hear you say think positively it's not just about that you can't just think positively and be okay but you have to put out into the world the positive energy and once you put that positive energy out to, to the world you will continue to get some of the negative energy back that you put out into the world years and years and years ago but what you've got to do is continuously put positive energy out. Take that negative energy when it comes back to you. And eventually, it just becomes less and less and less. And all you're receiving back is positivity. Mm -hmm. And all you can see is opportunity in the world. If I didn't see opportunity in running a business and jump on it immediately when I had no money in the bank and had to risk everything. If I didn't see an opportunity to, to do that from being homeless to being in the position to do that. Like I'd lost everything before, so I knew I could deal with it. I think going back literally to your slip of paper around table moment, I think a lot of stuff has been um, like visualization and manifestation for yourself. I mean, I, I do believe in it. I wear this around my neck and there's ah, a piece of paper yes. in there where my stuff written, wow. I written down like that's four good. or five years ago. Amazing. That's but, so good to know about you. That's but amazing. the difference is you've, by the sounds of it, being an absolute fucking rock bottom has really, really helped you. Yes. You couldn't go any yes. lower, so you've put yeah. everything into going forward, which is 100. unreal, exactly really. Like, yeah. It's nice to see success, yeah. and I think it's a good opportunity for us to just explain a little bit that's exactly the ethos behind this channel. I've said it in description if you've read it. It's on his Twitter. The journey's often a lot more impressive than the destination. And no one at the top of the mountain fell there. You've had to... Cook is a prime example. Basically a fucking down and outer and a drug addict. And he's ground and ground. Put effort in. Sleeping basically with his face in his laptop. And... Uh, for our audience and people watching, like uh, KP said earlier, if this helps one person, just know that there's hope. If you just get up, make a positive change, you, you're not going to get success overnight. We all know that it's impossible, but just know that grinding it out it does get is there. a prime example here. Yeah, but what have you got to lose? Like, if you don't, what have you got to lose? Like, if you do it and it doesn't work, what have you got to lose? Yeah, um, just going back, like, for us, starting this podcast yeah um i'll be honest i'm i wouldn't say 
nerve I'm nervous for people's opinion on it. Mm. Oh, why is KP doing that? What's KP know? I I, don't, I might not know a lot. I might not have been where people have been, but what I reached out for is when I saw an opportunity to help well, not even help Jake. Jake put the tweet out. I reached out and said, fantastic idea. I could have done with it six years ago, someone put, like putting their arm around me and I didn't have it. So this is an audio or visual arm round you. If you need anything, we're here. So, yeah. And I, I just want to say as well, from my point of view, I like, I love this. I think it's great. I think it is what's needed. I think it'd be great to be able to develop a bit of a community around it as well like it'd be really good and I'm here to support it like I'll Fantastic. I'll be a big supporter and I'm happy to come back I love talking I've got loads and loads of stories and just to finish very very quickly on this right so something that I hold as one of the main things that continues me on this upward trajectory of of um, feeling good about myself I'm massive on so obviously Please you know. don't say fucking MCAT. <laughs> not quite, no, not quite. Um, and I'm not trying to sell anything here either, so I haven't got an audio book for sale or anything like that. Um, so, um, yeah, so, okay, it's all about routine and consistency, right? So it's all about, I have, like, mantras about certain things, and I think that uh, when you're in, so, like, just going through life, you should always show love and support. Love and support, all it has to be. You don't have to give, be specific on what you should do to kind of, so like, how should you parent? Well, it doesn't matter. Don't be specific. Just show love and support. That's all. As long as you show love and support, that you, it'll be, you'll be going in the right direction. And then there's, it's all about kind of like understanding your body and understanding the signals from your body so that you can improve. You know, I suffer with anxiety. I've suffered with anxiety for, since I was um, young. Uh, and I have panic attacks and anxiety attacks. So I started to kind of listen to what my body was telling me and try to understand it. So now I've got to the point where I can manage it. Uh, sometimes I'm a little bit socially awkward in front of people, and that's usually when I'm in the process of also managing my anxiety at the same time. So I kind of go on autopilot and I start being a bit weird and people think I'm just a right weirdo. But to me, I'm, I'm okay with it because I'm managing things. And the way that I do like manage my health on a daily basis, I am not the perfect specimen by any means, right? But I feel amazing from doing just a few small things. Just making sure that the first thing I do in the morning is I get my heart rate up. I just move. Don't matter what I'm doing. You can do five sit-ups if it gets your heart rate going. Just do it. Um, the second thing is I drink lemon, like freshly squeezed lemon with lemon in the water in a hot drink. And that helps to clear your organs out. It helps to give you all the antioxidants and vitamins you need for the morning. And it actually quenches your thirst better and it makes you more um, energetic uh, than a coffee, mm. right? But then on top of that, which is like the most important thing that I think I've done is I've started taking regular cold showers. <laughs> I cannot tell you. At first I was like, no, I love a hot shower, me. I love a hot shower. But what it does is it just like fills you with energy at first. You don't, it's, it's, it's hard to explain when you haven't experienced it. Like you just have to start off slow, do it a little bit colder, five seconds, 10 seconds. I'm at the point now where I have it on the full coldest one and I can just stand under it for five minutes and I'm all right. I think that is probably the best way of taking yourself out of a comfort zone. Like you say, everyone enjoys a hot shower. Yeah, that's it. Everyone, if you can go into a, 
Un- unfortunately for me, my thermostat's broke on my shower. It's only hot. He'll tell us I've got a witness at home who will vouch for me. But it is what you're saying is take yourself out of the comfort zone first thing in the morning. That's it. That's it. And then you've achieved something for the day. Where regardless of what happens, you've achieved something. You've got a cold shower. Um, and that's it. And I think just be consistent with with your health and you you know your your mental health will follow. Do you know what I mean? But that's it, yeah. Can I ask you one more question just before of we wrap course. it up? Because we're getting on now. Sorry to keep you. <laughs> it's all right. What are your future goals and aspirations, both personally and in business? So uh, this one is something I've thought about. And like part of me wants to not sound like I... What I want is I want to I, I want to help as many people as possible. But the first thing I need to do is I need to help myself and my family, right? So I can't help anyone unless myself and my family are in a really comfortable position. We're not there yet. We're not quite there. Like we're on the definitely well on the way to being there, um, and no doubt it will happen in the next year or so where we're very comfortable. Um, luckily, right. Um, but what I want to do is I, w- I do want to continue growing my business. Everything digital, by the way. Let me just do a little yeah. shameless plug. I'm just going to say we don't have business yet. Uh, so everything digital official on socials and uh, on TikTok, we are everything digital global. Uh, don't ask me why. Um, so I want to continue growing everything digital. I want to continue helping businesses. I would love to see everything digital turn into a little bit of a kind of baseline knowledge base for a lot of businesses to approach and get knowledge about the digital world for free. I would love to be able to offer that to businesses so they can have an understanding of what they're being sold. Um, And then in terms of like, so that's business-wise, I'd love to see that grow. I do want to eventually invest in a couple of other businesses as well um i'd like to have multiple businesses that i am not necessarily in to run uh, but i invest and i do a lot of the paperwork and the admin behind it as well and i employ staff i'd like to do that uh, in a very ethical way like i'm very much for you know from a young age my sister came out as transgender so i was forced to kind of uh, almost understand that instead of having an ignorant view towards uh, equality. So I want to kind of build my businesses in uh, an ethical way and help as many people that work for them businesses as possible in every way that I can. I want to grow my personal life. I would like to get us to a point where we are secure for life. Mm. I want to get to that point where we have a couple of million that is just there forever and and not be too greedy i mean obviously if it gets to the point where i'm earning more and more then i'll always explore ways to kind of help in any way that i can well don't forget us too when you want to help someone (laughs) you guys don't forget me you might get a couple of million doing help just give us like 200 (laughs) so yeah i'd like to i'd like to help as many businesses as possible and then when it comes to my personal life get our um get me and my family to a comfortable spot and then what i really really want to do is i want to sort out uh, our immediate families around us so like my mum my dad my mum is doing great with kitchen boss um she is still sort of living in the same area probably mainly because she's just used to it now Mm. um my dad is retired and he's had a successful business so he's kind of all right but i want to 
give them guys a cushion that they can rely on for the rest of their lives. Mm. And that's what I want to do, whether that's houses or jobs or whatever. I want to create the opportunities for them to be comfortable for the rest of their lives. That's what I want. Brilliant. Right. I think that's us. Mm -hmm. Bedtime. Yeah. Can't thank you enough for coming on. Yeah. Um, Cheers, Cookie. No worries. Thank you very much, guys. Right. That's it. Episode one. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Stay tuned. Like, follow, subscribe. We're on Twitter, YouTube. We have got other social media outlets coming. And we'll get an email address. Um, I don't know about Jake, but even if if people don't want to come and sit on the chair and tell us a tale, maybe an email, just a snippet of what you want to get across. Just a voice, be the people's voice really, aren't we? That's where it will be. I think more feedback we get, more we can give you. If you, you know need someone like cook it or talk to i'm sure i'd be willing to help and like you say if you've uh if you've got a tale to tell then get in touch please thanks a lot perfect <laughs>